Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. It's a game day edition. Halloween Hornets hoops on tap for you as the Hornets will host the Sacramento Kings here on All Hallows Eve, October 31st. We got a lot to talk about on this one. We got some players that uh, maybe flew under the radar, certainly to start the season. They are hardly doing that anymore and starting to get some national recognition. We'll talk about a couple of guys that have been really key to the three and three start to the season. Also, we're going to talk about a couple of situations that the Hornets really didn't fare very well in last year. As good as the team played overall, 43 and 39, a record to be celebrated, one that most years, almost every year up till last, would have gotten you in the playoffs. But Hornets, of course, did not quite get there, but they got to 43 and 39 despite having a 0 and 7 record in overtime and going 2 and 13 on night two of back to backs. Both of those at or near the bottom of the NBA. So, very impressive what the Hornets have been able to do in a small sample size in those situations so far this season. And, of course, it is a game day edition. We will preview the Halloween hoops matchup between the Hornets and the Sacramento Kings. Helping me on all these topics, he's my producer on the Hornets Radio Network as well as the producer of this fine podcast, Rob Longo, back with us here on the HHC. Rob, happy Halloween. Please describe your costume. Well, normally I would just go as myself, but if we had to pick somebody, if I had to go with maybe like a doppelganger or something, I do get some comparisons to Kyle Schwarber, so... I know it's that time of the year with the fall classic, so... Is that in all the time you spend in Philly? <laughs> you know how I feel about that city, but we'll just leave it at that. A Pittsburgher through and through. So uh, Rob Longo coming in as his doppelganger, Kyle Schwarber. I'm here as Better Call Sam. So... Uh, <laughs> That's good. That's homage a homage to Better Call Saul. I've worn my loudest suit, shirt, tie combo that I possibly could come up with, and I'm hoping for a better call tonight and the Hornets Radio Network. Let's start off with a couple of guys coming onto the scene, really, here with the Hornets and having some big performances and starting to get some national recognition. Uh, the Athletic does a great job covering the NBA. One of their lead writers covering the minutia of salary caps and player performances, getting in the weeds on stats and salaries is John Hollinger and he had a piece in the last week about 10 players who impressed him from the season's first 10 days players to know I should say from the first 10 days and these aren't max contract guys these are probably the opposite guys that are the best value based off their contracts and how they performed and there weren't just one but there were two Hornets that made the list Dennis Smith Jr. made the cut as well as the Hornets backup center Nick Richards. Teo Maladon around the Richards screen Stops at the elbow, pull up from the free throw line, rattles in and out, rebound by Richards, goes up, scores it, plus the foul. Nick Richards coming up with nine points and eight rebounds the other day in the overtime victory over Golden State right now. He's averaging somewhere in the vicinity of 13 points and eight rebounds per game. Really, really impressive stuff, and it's caught the eye of John Hollinger. Rob Longo, I know you read the piece in big detail. Nick Richards, someone that the coaching staff was high on all summer long. We heard all about how much of an improvement he had made, and now he's been able to put it on display for the fans watching it closely, but now even on a national scene, Nick Richards getting a lot of attention and love. 
Well, we certainly have gone over it a couple of times here on the HHC about how the Hornets don't get a whole lot of national love as it is to begin with. So the fact that they were able to at least get two players on this list was kind of impressive in my mind when you take a look at it. I mean, based off of what we heard from Coach Clifford and what we saw in the preseason, Nick Richards was kind of the given to be on that list. But the one that has stood out and the one that we did not really expect, if we had to pick another one, certainly Dennis Smith Jr. Because again, a late addition to the roster, came in, kind of thrusted in the middle of training camp, open roster spot, said, all right, let's go ahead, give him a chance, see what he's able to accomplish. He's been able to accomplish quite a lot too. And we didn't see a lot of him in the preseason. So we just kind of saw him when Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier got hurt and man, what a difference he has made for this team through the first six games because without him, I don't know where the Hornets would be. So the fact that he's getting that national recognition, that national love, again, is really great. And sometimes, you know, we talk about what the expectations for Dennis Smith Jr. were coming in, a lottery pick, native son of North Carolina, didn't really leave the state until he got drafted. But with all of that said, sometimes you just need a change of scenery. So hopefully this is the thing that Dennis Smith Jr.'s needed. He certainly proved it through the first handful of games, so I'm excited to see what he's able to do moving forward. But all in all, really cool to see two guys on a list that only has 10 total people in the entire association on it. Without the securitist route, I don't think Dennis Smith Jr. ends up on this list because you know he's a lottery pick. It, had he been able to stay in, in Dallas and continue on the trajectory he was after being an all-rookie selection, it's probably a very different situation for him. But he has had uh, some challenges over the course of his career and now has landed back home in North Carolina and has gotten maybe an unexpected added opportunity with all the injuries to step into the starting lineup and into the limelight. He's done the job. He's played a leading role helping the team team win and as a lottery pick on this list it's all about what you can do from here to continue to build your reputation now it's not just his play and his work that he's put in that's the majority of it but it is also about the coaches seeing more in him and believing in him and that's something that Dennis Smith Jr. touched on earlier in the week talking about his relationship with Hornets head coach Steve Clifford well it's rare whenever you got a coach that that really He's a player's coach, and on top of that, he really knows the game and, and can have you execute with X's and O's. And I think that he does a great job of being able to do both. And like I said, as long as we follow the game plan, we'll be able to win games. Dennis Smith Jr. has done that in spades. He was really he was brought in when I was talking to front office members about his signing. It was about what he could do on the defensive side of the ball. But offensively, he has also been really special. You look back to that win over the Golden State Warriors. He was two for two from beyond the arc. That puts him over fifty percent on the season now from three point range. Remarkable for a guy who last year shot 22% from deep, worst season of his career. And he had some injury issues there as well and didn't play in as many games. But the kind of start he has put forward, it's been really impressive. So those two guys making the list, very much noteworthy. Another thing that's noteworthy is national publications don't really write about players that are on irrelevant teams. The numbers have to be so good. Uh, we're talking like Mike Trout winning the MVP on a Angels team that's 20 games below 500. It has to be so eye-popping that you can't avoid talking about the person and there's a mention of a Thunder player on here, a Sacramento who's had a tough time of it so far this year. They've got a mention on this list. And then there's some other players on teams that maybe not as much was expected from, but they have performed fairly well. Indiana falls into that category. Similar circumstances for San Antonio. But for the most part, these are players who have had an impact on winning on teams that are winning right now. Hornets have a 500 record. It doesn't happen without Nick Richards and Dennis Smith Jr. And I just think it is wonderful that they're getting 
the love and attention from the national media because we have seen it on a daily basis in practice and in the games, but to have other people recognize it as well because the Hornets, they're, they're slogging through a tougher part of the schedule because of all the injuries that they've been hit with and they're making it because of these two guys. So again, a, a really good piece. It's in The Athletic. You can read it. John Hollinger writing about Dennis Smith Jr. as well as Nick Richards. Please do go check it out. Uh, we're happy to highlight it here on the Hornets Hivecast. Coming up next, the Hornets, small sample size, I know, but already off to a stronger start in terms of overtime and in terms of night two of back-to-backs than they had all of last season. We'll talk about those next here on the Hornets Hivecast. Cataracts made it hard to see clearly. Even movies were blurry. So I went to Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. Now movies are as clear and sharp as they once were. The doctors at Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates offer cataract surgery using the newest technology and lenses with short recovery times. See like you once did. Schedule your appointment today at ceenta.com slash appointments. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. They just make sense. Sam Farber and Rob Longo with you here on the HHC Hornets 3 and 3 getting ready for the Sacramento Kings tonight. We'll give you our game preview coming up in just a couple minutes here on the Hornets Hivecast. But right now, Hornets are 3-3, three and three, and if you really drill down, uh, they are 500 in overtime games, 1-1, one and one, and they are unbeaten on night two of back-to-backs. These are some, some difficult circumstances. Now, overtime, not so much. Overtime, you expect teams to, relatively speaking, perform close to the way they do over the course of the regular season in normal games in those extra sessions. Sometimes there's some shot luck involved. Sometimes fatigue is a factor. But for the most part, if you're an above 500 team, you kind of expect a squad to have an above 500 overtime record and vice versa. Well, last year, the Hornets were a 43-39 club, and they were 0-7 in overtime. In fact, they had lost their last 10 overtime games, including one earlier this month against the New York Knicks at Madison Square Garden. Well, the Hornets finally got over the hump. They did it against the defending world champ Golden State Warriors the other day, 120-113. to uh, They also won on night two of a back-to-back. That was also an issue last year, just 2-13 and in those situations last season. Now Hornets off to a 1-0 start. And uh, these are things that speak to the further development of the franchise and the players on it as well as the character of this particular team. And a couple of guys talked about it. We'll let you hear from them rather than me rambling on the whole time. So here's P.J. Washington talking about the performance the team put forth the other day against the Warriors on night two of a back-to-back. Uh, we talked about it last night. Uh, Coach uh, came in the locker room and put our record from back-to-backs uh, on the second day, 2-13. and 13. So we all uh, looked at it, and uh, we all made an effort to come out here and play hard and uh, just make sure we all locked in and focused on who we're playing. And uh, just came in and had all our details ready, so we stepped up. Rob, it's great to put the stat on the board and expect the team to respond. Clearly they had a a bad taste in their mouth from the shooting performance and overall performance against Orlando and wanted to get rid of that. But they did it against the defending world champs who were for the most part healthy and had been playing well, and they went out and they just beat them. They beat them over the course of the the first half and then in clutch time outscored the Warriors 17-6 to in the final minute of regulation through the end of overtime. A really impressive win. I think it goes beyond just what P.J. talked about, but the mindset going into the game clearly was important and the Hornets brought the right attitude. And they needed this win, too, especially after the way that the Friday game shook out in Orlando, too. I mean, this one just kind of got a little bit more amplified. I'm not saying it's going to turn a season around or it's going to be a season-defining victory, but it certainly sets the tone six games into the season when you got how many more back-to-backs on the schedule? I think, what, 14 more maybe? At least. That's how it usually feels. But, again, one of those things where you don't know how big a win 
is going to look at until you get to the end of the season. But again, it's one of those things where the Hornets just, I kind of joked about it earlier in the week when they lost in New York in overtime. We were doing our little overreaction, underreaction. I said, the Hornets are cursed in overtime. And I said it tongue in cheek just to kind of make a little bit of fun of it because after last year going winless 0 for 7 in OT and just having a very bad record overall on the second night of back-to-backs, sometimes you just have to laugh at it just to kind of shake it off because you don't want the pressure to just continue to mount and mount and mount. And the fact that the Hornets were able to do it against a really good team in Golden State just kind of takes it that much further that you know sometimes in the game of basketball certainly it comes down to skill and execution and athletic ability but at the same time it just almost boils down to who wants it more and the Hornets certainly wanted it more on Saturday night and to have the curse uh, somewhat exercised on the eve of Halloween that's uh, uh-huh. also helpful for uh, the the podcast coming out here today on October 31st for the most part the same roster that had the 2-13 and record night two of back-to-backs last season and finished 0-7 in overtime. But there are some new additions. Steve Clifford and half the coaching staff clearly knew. And so they, they don't come in with that baggage. They're coming in with fresh eyes and fresh approaches and, and you know, so far stronger results in those situations. There's also some new players as well. Dennis Smith Jr. is one of those. And even though he didn't have the 2-13 and record in night two of back-to-backs or the 0-7 overtime record. He's a part of this team and he felt he inherited it and is helping, use the same quote again, exercise those demons here so far this season. I think it's special for two reasons. It's a back-to-back. We got blasted. We came back and had to protect home court. We won a back-to-back. We was 2-13 and on those last year. So that's great to win that one. And then it was an overtime game. And I think we were bad in overtime games last year. So just the game plan that Coach had, and we got to have the discipline to execute, and we did a great job of that, and we got to win against the defending champs. Rob, we, we don't know how many times the Hornets are going to play in overtime, but it, clearly off to a better start, they have a win. So that that's already uh, something better for them. Uh, but there's going to be a number of times where they're going to play back-to-back games, and so to get one under their belt against as good of competition as they could possibly face in the Golden State Warriors, that's going to do a lot for confidence moving forward through the remainder of the season. Hornets got a big win the other day. Again, it satisfies both of those categories, night two of a back-to-back, as well as an overtime win and uh, puts the Hornets in a good headspace heading into this Halloween hoops matchup with the Sacramento Kings. We're going to preview the game for you when we return on a somewhat slightly haunted version of the Hornets Hivecast. As proud members of our community, the Charlotte Hornets Foundation is committed to inspire a giving culture in our region. This is Executive Director Betsy Mack-Rinke inviting you to learn how you can make an impact. Through our Swarm to Serve initiative, the Charlotte Hornets Foundation focuses on education, hunger, military care, and wellness programs. To learn more about how you can help the Charlotte Hornets Foundation and your fellow neighbor, please visit hornets.com foundation today. Any Halloween costumes coming into the building on Monday? What do you got for us? Give me a preview. Uh, Halloween costume? Um, uh, (laughs) Really, I don't even really dress up like that. You know, I ain't going to lie. I just be like, I'm myself. (laughs) Yourself is always looking good. Oh, appreciate it. You know what what you dressed as? One of the top five three-point shooters in the NBA. That's what you are, my friend. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sir. I like that. Jalen McDaniels, one of the heroes of the win the other day against the Golden State Warriors. He was kind enough to join me on the Hornets Radio Network post game after the win and uh, had that little uh, back and forth there about Halloween. So he's going dressed as one of the top five, top ten three point shooters in the NBA today to the arena to take.
take on the Sacramento Kings. Rob Longo is Kyle Schwarber, and I'm Better Call Sam for this one here tonight. Hornets taking on the Kings. Sacramento, a squad that picked up its first win the other day on Saturday, same day the Hornets beat the Warriors. Kings were defeating the Miami Heat. That was back on the West Coast in Sacramento, 119-113, the final score, just as it's difficult for teams to go east to west. It is also difficult for teams to go west to east, and the Kings tipping off an Eastern Conference swing right now. They'll do so with a 1-4 and four record. Rob, let's look at the matchup, and we'll do it as we always do. We need players to watch for both teams as well as a statistic to watch. You are the guest. You get to pick first. Well, first off, just a little tidbit on this matchup. This is really the first road trip that Sacramento has going into this game. They're coming to the East Coast. They played at Golden State, but other than that, their first handful of games were all at home so it's another weird thing too where they play charlotte today and then they got to get on the plane and then wednesday they play miami again so they get miami in the span of a week twice which is a little bizarre especially the way that you know going from the west coast to the east coast and then they got to go down to orlando and then they got to stop in golden state on the way back before they head home so a weird road trip for sacramento obviously they're going to try to set the tone here moving forward out especially after that win against the heat on saturday night so in terms of where i want to start let's go ahead and start with king's player to watch i'm going to take the modest bonus we saw what he was capable of against the hornets a lot the last two seasons when he was in indiana of course the kings decided to pull the trigger on that trade setting buddy healed and tyrese halliburton all the way over to indiana which again anytime you're trading for a proverbial all-star you gotta like your chances moving forward the kings have just had that abysmal streak of not making the playoffs and it's not looking good again off to a one and four start but again there's plenty of games left we've seen stranger things happen the pelicans were a good example from last year with just having a terrible start and then somehow turning the ship around at the end of the season and then snuck their way into the playoffs so that's a long way to say that i'm taking a look at demonis sabonis tonight obviously he's been an all-star in the past usually is a triple-double threat just because of the way that he's been able to rebound and score the basketball, so he's my player to watch for the Kings. Like the pick. I mean, he, he could really be a difference maker for that Kings team just with what he brings to the table. He's an all-star. He's a load inside. But to this point this season, you really haven't played through him that much, which is interesting. I mean, he's averaging right around 15 points per game so far this season. Other numbers are good, not great. The guy that has been exceptional, and I think this really speaks to how good this player is, is De'Aaron Fox. Because it was one thing when he was putting up huge numbers and the team wasn't very good and there really wasn't a running mate for him. But now he does have some better players around in in particular, Demonis Sabonis. Plus you add in a, another top 10 pick. Plus you added in, I mean, you added a lot of guys and he's still averaging around 30 points per game. So even though they're still not winning a lot, I mean, De'Aaron Fox's numbers continue to impress. So I'll go with De'Aaron Fox. This will be another difficult matchup. We'll wait to see some more injury updates for the Hornets and hope for good news. But let's just assume for the sake of argument that Dennis Smith Jr. is defending De'Aaron Fox. This is the polar opposite. Opposite of defending Steph Curry. Steph Curry, you got to keep you know close to him at all times because if you give him any kind of breathing room, he'll let go with a three and is liable to knock it down in your face. With De'Aaron Fox, he's less of a threat as a shooter, much much less of a threat as a shooter. But he is one of the fastest players in the NBA, and he can get to the cup in an instant. So a very different challenge for the Hornets defensively. De'Aaron Fox, my pick for a Sacramento Kings player to watch. Rob Longo, where do you want to go next? 
Keep it in the player category. Let's go ahead and take a look at Hornets player to watch. I think the no-brainer would be Nick Richards in this one because of the way that he's been able to play so far this season. 20 minutes against Golden State was 3 of 8 from the field, which was a little bit below his average, and it's really fun to say that because he's been almost nearly perfect from the field. So he did finish with 9 points, 8 rebounds, had a couple of big offensive boards in that game on Saturday night. But when you take a look across the bench and across the court and see who he's going to be matched up against more than likely, it's Rashawn Holmes. And Rashawn Holmes has not played very well this season through the first five games. He's only been in double figures once, and that was against Golden State. And he had 15 points, was held scoreless against Memphis, only had a bucket here or there against Portland and the Clippers. When you take a look at Saturday's game against the Heat, he finishes with five points and played 21 minutes. He just has not been playing very well, and I don't know if that's just the way that the Kings have been running the offense and they haven't been running through him or he hasn't had the opportunities to, but either way, that's going to be the big matchup, I think, just between the second unit centers and Rashawn Holmes and Nick Richards, and that kind of ties into my stat to watch, which we will get to in a few moments. Fair enough. I'm going to go with Gordon Hayward. Gordon's just been solid, steady all throughout this season so far. And you looked at the the numbers. I mean, he's just about 20 points per game thus far on the season. Shooting percentage-wise, he's off to the best start of his career, north of 50% from the floor. Three-point percentage, solid, making better than a third of his attempts. And to put up 20 points per game, it's huge. If there are other players that have maybe had some bigger moments in crunch time to this point, you don't get anywhere near crunch time without Gordon Hayward setting the foundation for the win by putting up the numbers he does and having dominant first quarter, second quarters, third quarters, and I have no doubt in my mind he's going to have a huge fourth quarter at some point here too. But Gordon Hayward, he's steady as he goes. And one other thing, I agree with you, the Kings bench has not been very good so far this season. And the Hornets bench has been exceptional, so you, you can easily go there. But Charlotte just outplayed the defending world champs in terms of the starting lineup. Quite frankly, the bench was beaten statistically by Golden State. Most of that's Jordan Poole, but Golden State's bench did better in the plus-minus pretty much across the board compared to the Hornets bench. It was the starters that won the game, and Gordon Hayward's a big part of that. He's going to probably get a lot of, of matchup tonight against Keegan Murray, who's had a really strong start. Second probably to Paolo Bancaro in terms of production amongst rookies, or at least in that argument right now. But he is a rookie, so this is an opportunity here. If he's the one that gets matched up with Gordon Hayward, I think Gordon's going to eat. I think he's going to have a really good game. So I think this is one where Gordon Hayward, I think he has an advantageous matchup. I think that the Hornets overall are playing really well, and it's great to have the bench there to back you up, but you need your starters and your stars to come lead you sometimes, and I think this is one where Gordon Hayward, not that he hasn't been already, again, 20 points per game, shooting percentage is best of his career, uh, but I think he has a really good matchup here in this one. Last but not least, let's get some stats to watch. My stat to watch is going to be points in the paint. That was a big emphasis for the Hornets going into that Golden State game, and they made a point of it because Charlotte picks up 54 points in the paint in that contest. When you take a look at what Sacramento did on Saturday against the Heat, well, the Kings scored 52 points in the paint, so very similar in that regard. Of course, you got a big dominating presence like Demonis Sabonis who can get you a lot of paint touches. Then you got guys like De'Aaron Fox that like to drive to the rim, go hard to the hole, and end up getting a couple of easy layups there as well. So again, points in the paint are probably going to be a bigger emphasis, and that's why I kind of keyed in on a Nick Richards versus Rashawn Holmes matchup because that's an opportunity for Nick Richards to have a spot at the table and have a pretty big feast against a guy that has struggled through the first couple of games so far this season because if I'm going second unit and I'm taking a look between Rashawn Holmes 
and Nick Richards, I'm taking Nick Richards 11 days out of 10. So that's why I'm taking a look at points in the paint here for my stat to watch tonight. I'm going to be honest. I've studied the box score from the Kings win over the Miami Heat. Their only win so far this season. And I can't for the life of me figure out how the heck they won this game. Uh, the first half stats true. Are, are good for Sacramento. The well, game they shot, stats. They shot 55% from the field. They <laughs> did. But the game stats are crazy. The Kings were out-rebounded in terms of offensive boards, 9-6. to six. Miami had 19 second-chance points to 10 for Sacramento. Turnovers, the Kings turned it over 21 times. 12 more than the Heat did. The Heat scored 14 more points off those turnovers than the Kings did off of Miami's miscues. In terms of three-point percentages, relatively similar. Free throws, attempts, and makes both went to Miami. I can't figure out how Miami lost this game other than Sacramento shot the lights out in the first half, and they were able to just ride that to a win, I guess. But, you know, overall, all the intangibles say, oh, let's let's just be better in this category or that category. These stats is something to look at, and I'm just not seeing stuff where they were not bad, the Kings. So it's a real head-scratcher to me why they were so poor in performing there, but nonetheless, they, they did come away with the win. All that being said, the stat I'm going to go with is turnovers, because Again, even in a win, Sacramento was bad in this category. They were really bad. They turned it over 21 times, leading to 28 points. I'm going to put my money on most nights, and you know this about me. We've had enough podcasts. If you take 10 more shots than your opponent, and there's not some wild disparity in free throws, you're probably going to win the game because you're getting that many extra looks. That comes from second-chance points, turnovers, hustle, all that stuff. So if you can get that kind of extra volume of shots up, you should probably win the game. Sacramento shot the ball so well, 55% from the floor, 42 for 76 from the field, that even though the Heat took 13 more field goals, two more free throws than the Kings did, Sacramento still won. I want to make them do that again. So if I'm the Hornets, I'm focusing on the glass, which so far this season, Sacramento has not really been lights out. You know, Sometimes they're going to win the rebounding match just based off how many times the other team misses. But when you focus in on offensive rebounds, second chance opportunities, the Kings are near the bottom of the NBA. They're very good at getting defensive boards, not so much on the offensive side. And turnovers, they have a major, major issue in that category that the Hornets, quite frankly, at times have had, but the other night did not. So I think the Hornets have a a major opportunity here to make the Kings pay for their mistakes, and I think they're going to have to because Sacramento, they're they're feeling good. They got a win. They shot the ball really well. They're going to come in, hopefully confident from their perspective, that that will continue. If they, though, allow the Hornets to take 10 extra shots, Charlotte's got to take advantage. So turnovers slash points off turnovers, my stat to watch for this one. And real quick, too, we didn't even touch on this in yesterday's podcast. Hornets only had nine turnovers against the Warriors. Shout out to them. Excellent job. Hopefully they can keep that streak going. Halloween hoops on tap tonight. Hornets taking on the Sacramento Kings. If you want to join us here at the Hive, come dressed up or not. Go to Hornets.com for all your ticket information. Rob Longo, thanks for joining me here on Halloween. Thanks, Sam. You didn't bring me any candy. We'll find some after the game somewhere. Sounds good. I'm sure there were some trick-or-treaters around. We'll dig up some candy for you. Thanks to all of you for tuning in as well. Hope you have a very safe and happy Halloween. And thanks for making the Hornets Hivecast a part of it. For Rob Longo, I'm Sam Farber saying we will talk to you tomorrow with a post-game edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta. 
the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.